Hi! Welcome to Popcorn on Your Knee. Movie reviews from viewers like you. We're your hosts, Justin and Kelly. We're back this week with an episode on the movie City of God. This was a tough one to watch, I will say. Absolutely. Before we get into it, though, uh, let's start with our summary. Okay, here's mine. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like Gangs of New York, but set in the slums of Rio de Janeiro in the 60s and 70s, but with drugs and loosely based on a true story. Okay. That's what I got. Good. <laughs> right? Okay. Well, my first summary was bang, you're dead. Ah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but then I guess my real summary would be one boy shoots with his camera, one boy shoots with his gun, almost everyone dies. <laughs> that's, that's accurate. That's accurate. This was not a movie that either of us had seen before, uh, yeah. so it was very exciting to to get to watch a new movie here. If you are a new listener, welcome. Uh, what we do here about twice a week is Kelly and I discuss uh, movies from the 100 movie bucket list. So we watch the movie, and then we do some research on the cast and the crew, and some uh, kind of behind-the-scenes info, some things that we didn't know, obviously, uh, maybe that most people did know about it. And then we give our reviews and uh, our thoughts on the movie. And then we give it a candy score rating, which we'll get to here in a little while. Can we can we stop for a moment and actually, when we gave our synopses, but like, what is, what's the movie about? Okay, can yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because it's, I don't think it's as familiar. I and mean, we might just be wrong, maybe other people, because it is on their list and it, and it does have a lot of high ratings now, mm-hmm. you know, past the fact. Um but in case there's some listeners that don't know what the movie is about, like we were last week mm-hmm. before watching this, um, what is the brief analysis of the movie and what it's about? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think some people listen to our podcast because they've seen the movies mm-hmm. and then and want to, you know, kind of hear what our takes are on it and then argue with us about it, which is very welcome. Uh, others, I think, listen to it because, hey, I've never heard of this movie. Is this something that I'm going to want to watch? Right. Uh, and so the the movie is mainly about two boys growing up in this this slum of Rio. And then uh, it's called City of God. Yeah, the, the English translation is City of God. Yeah, is, is City of God. God. Yeah, this very poor, you know, kind of project housing. Mm-hmm. Um, when the movie begins, it begins in the 60s. You know, they don't have electricity in this slum. And and they do what they, they can to survive. And so we meet some boys. Okay, so we meet them. There's one narrator, um, and his name is Rocket. And he's a, an adult narrating the story. And so it goes through, um, like, he's going to tell us this group of young men. This is their story. And they're all people that he knows. And there's brothers and cousins and, you know, relations and stuff. And what do they do? And um, in the beginning, we meet that there are some three older boys that the two younger boys look up to. Well, there's actually three younger boys too. There's Benny, Rocket, and then our main guy who's yeah. Little Dice. Little Dice. Or as he becomes Little Zay. Yeah, later. As he older. And so in the beginning of the film we meet all these characters and what they're doing to try and survive, you know, the the petty crime that they're doing. And Little Dice um has a big attitude and he really wants to be like seen as grown up and you know the kingpin of you know um of the town and it chronicles his journey from a crime that he commits at a very young age in order to be that sort of boss and then how that sets him on the path toward being a hood right right and then the other and then he's with his and then he kind of gets benny in on it with him so in the movie the kind of the the hoodlums hoodlums, they they call them hoods Mm -hmm. uh, the hood for short Mm -hmm. and then the other boy the one who's rocket who's our narrator he takes a different path Uh he stays in school he has some friends but he he lives here Right. And he has other aspirations, particularly to become a photographer and shoot with pictures, not with guns. Uh And so it takes both of their paths and how they intersperse and interact with one another through all these characters and the intense drug crime that is happening in this place right outside of Rio de Janeiro. How they meet their ends, I guess you would say. Um, It's just, yeah, one of the poorest communities. And they actually... um, 
they did such a really great job. You really felt like you were just kind of watching a documentary, but it was filmed so stylized at that time period. Kind of like a Moulin Rouge style at some time, you know, with yes. the whole like Baz Luhrmann effect that's there. Yeah, I was. So I heard that a lot. I that uh, no, was I was, cool. yeah, I, I thought of Boz. I thought of the the Romeo and Juliet Boz's yeah, version of that, where it speeds up the film sometimes, yes. and then the music is really integrated. And yeah, it was well done that way. But that's kind of that's what it's that's how the story goes. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're watching, and and it's interesting uh, as we're watching it, uh, though there is a main narrator. Mm-hmm. He he kind of has a an omniscient view. He you know we we are watching. All of the different stories of, of the different gangs and, and the different cartels, um, and, and these different boys and how they're weaving in and out as if we were watching from the eyes of God. Right. No, that's true. And like, for instance, it really kind of clicked with me when there's one point in the movie where he gives the story of, and it's like a name of one of the characters or that he'll say, he'll, he'll show you a character. And he's like, well, we're not going to hear his story yet. We'll tell that later. Yeah. And then there was one where it said, this is the story of the apartment. <laughs> right. Because we knew when we came into the scene, that, was it, a great that, that it was a wonderful sequence. But he says like, oh, well, this isn't the beginning of where all this happened here in the apartment. Let's back up. Mm-hmm. This is the story of the apartment. And we saw all the different drug lords that went into the building and how it changed. And it was it was filmed really cool. But you stayed in the apartment and saw all like like the last – I don't know, maybe four years right, right. of the apartment life and what was happening there with with everyone. And then it caught you back up to where we were. It's like, yes. So now it's like, okay, now that you know, you yeah. understand what's happening now. Yeah, so, so it was pretty stylized. They had, inventive. they had, yeah, very inventive and, and very, yeah, ca- catch you up to, you know, start a story and then, and then pause it, go back in time mm-hmm. and then catch you right back up to that moment from a different perspective. Uh, the movie was directed by Fernando Meireles. Now he is a Brazilian director. Uh, all of the cast here, Brazilian, Brazilian cast. Um, the film is in Portuguese and then subtitled into English. The movie was based on a novel by Paulo Lins or Paulo Lins and loosely a true story that his, his book was semi autobiographical. Uh, he writes it from the perspective of kind of one of the main characters. Who was a conglomeration of, of two people, uh, himself growing up, uh, and then a friend of his who was a photographer in this area. It was, uh, nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, and then Film Editing. It did not win any uh, of the Academy Awards. It didn't walk away with any Oscars that night. That was the year that Lord of the Rings Return of the King came out and basically swept the Oscars. Uh, the movie came out in Brazil 2002, came out in the United States in 2003. So this was the, the 2003 Oscars, uh, or Academy Awards, I believe. And so uh, Peter Jackson won Best Director for Return of the King that year. However, it was also nominated or it, it won uh, about 55 awards from a whole variety. International, yep, too. Yeah, yep, Cannes, yep. It was the Cannes Film Festival pick, right? It absolutely was. And it, it was the um, or the, the first Brazilian film mm-hmm. to be nominated for more than two uh, Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And so heavily, heavily awarded movie. Deserves its spot, I would say, on our 100 movies bucket list. Though I will say, uh, this was a, a question that came up. Some friends of ours have a podcast called the 252 Podcast, uh, where they discuss a whole variety of, of topics from, from growing mentally, spiritually, physically, uh, and emotionally. And they discuss movies often on that podcast as well. Uh, and so they asked last week, what's a movie that you love that you think everybody should see? And then what's a movie that you hated, but you still think everybody should see? And so we, we kind of take a, a different spin on that question. And we would say, what's a movie that everybody should see, but only see one time? And what was what were some of your answers on that? For me, Green Mile is one of those. Mm. But unfortunately, it's on our it's list. On so I have to list. see it a second time. Right, yeah. Like uh, Schindler's List also. Yeah, you probably a couple times. Yeah. But yeah. That's on our list here. Well, you probably wouldn't agree. I would think Saving Private Ryan is one of those for me. I don't want to see it again. Oh, I've seen it several times. I think a lot of people see it several times. (laughs) But everyone should see it. You know, it's those kinds that wake you up to social injustice or, you know, maybe there's um, some violence that Mm -hmm. is necessary to the telling of the story. 
but you're not necessarily wanting to, you know, so you right. should definitely be watching. It's not like gratuitous, you mm-hmm. know, as far as like that goes. But I heard like 12 Years a Slave runs into that category. Um, yep. There's others that are that are potentially like that. This would be one for me. Glad I watched it. Don't know that I would care to watch it again. So we'll, we'll get into that as we get into the stars or the cast of the, uh, the cast of the film. This won't be very lengthy of a discussion. Typically we spend this time talking about, Oh, Hey, this is other places that you've seen these actors. Most of these actors, however, were new uh, into acting or maybe had some film credits in the Brazilian film mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. And so almost nobody that, that we had seen before or have seen much since. And that was on purpose. Morales wanted to have amateur or uh, beginning actors that people wouldn't recognize for authenticity's sake. Well, tell us about some of our main characters and who these men were that played them, these non-actors. Yep. So one of the main characters uh, who goes by Rocket, uh, his real name, Alejandre Rodriguez, uh, is the actor. Rocket here um, is our English translation. The more Portuguese translation would be Firecracker. Mm-hmm. Or firework, which, which I enjoyed learning that because it made a little bit more sense to me. I was thinking like a spaceship rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would, after this movie, uh, continue his acting career in many Brazilian films and TV shows. Um, most recently, though, I don't think he's he's doing too much. So, and he was a um, resident at one time of the actual city of God. Yes. Uh, kind of the second main character here, a little Zay. Played by Leandro Firmino, who also would continue um, in many Brazilian films and uh, TV shows. Nothing that we were familiar with. Sue Jorge plays Knockout Ned, which is a very important role in the film. Knockout Ned, uh, kind of a, a an English translation, a really an English translation, sort of a help. Correct translation for... His his character's name would have been Chicken Manny, mm-hmm. and that's because he was handsome, and in in that culture at that time, I guess you know, kind of chickens were considered <laughs> handsome. That would be a nickname that they gave you if you well, flaunted your stuff. It actually like it did translate that way in um, Portuguese, but then when they made the English subtitle film, they actually changed it to Knockout Ned because in, in the U.S., right. chicken means. Coward. Coward. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want that to be what we thought coming into it. So they yes. called him Knockout because he's a knockout. Like, he's handsome or thin, Lil Zay. And he's tough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sue so Jorge, that though, like, what's who is he? Like, Because he's kind of well-known in the Brazilian culture. Yes. Yeah, so he, he goes on after this also to have a very decent film career and music career. Yeah. Uh, he His music career takes off after this is as well and and he becomes probably i don't know more famous for uh some of his some of his albums uh he was nominated for the brazilian grammy uh, for one of his albums as well so he career sang in the london olympics oh i didn't know that yeah the oh, 2012 cool. olympics he performed in the closing ceremonies well that's hasn't cool. cut on here i guess samba the last character the last actor <laughs> that we'll talk about sorry i was um, dancing <laughs> Alice Braga, who plays Angelica, one of the few female uh, roles in the film. If you've seen the film, she is, she's the, the girl that Rocket, you know, kind of has a crush on and uh, she ends up with a, a different character in the film. After this, she goes on um, to become, this kind of launched her career, and she does break into um, over the, the American film industry as well. She stars as Anna in I Am Legend, opposite Will Smith. She is in The the Shack, the 2017 release, um, the film version of the movie, or of the book The Shack. And then most recently, we would have recognized her voice in Disney Pixar's Soul. She is one of the Jerry's. Oh. She's the voice of, yeah, of the, of the counselor Jerry. Nice. And there you go. That's about it for, for cast, um, that, that we would recognize in this. The film is directed by Fernando Mayrellis, which we mentioned. And a little back, background on uh, Fernando here. He began his, his kind of his film career in an advertising film, which I suppose we would call commercials. No, yeah, yeah. Which makes some sense then if you watch the film and you think about, you think about that, how you have just 
these short vignettes and these stories that are told uh, and then woven together into a, a large film. Mm-hmm. After this film, he goes on and directs The Constant Gardener with Rafe Fiennes and Rachel Weiss. She wins the Oscar mm-hmm. in that film for mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor. And most recently, well, before that, he uh, he films, I forget if it's either the opening or closing ceremony for the Rio Olympics. And so he's, he's in charge of, of that. Yeah. Uh, and then most recently he directs, uh, the two popes, hmm. which it was a good movie. Came out, uh, 2019 was in last year's Oscars, um, nominated for three of the Academy Awards I last year. He directed that. Yeah. I didn't either. That's, That's starring awesome. Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. Yeah. All right. We will pause now for a word from one of our sponsors. Remember going to toy stores, not stores with toys. But toy stores, where as soon as you entered the door, you knew this place was built just for you. The bright wonder that filled every aisle of toy after toy, promising endless delight and imagination. I miss that, don't you? Endless bliss. Friendly staff who knew and loved toys as much as you do. And when you left, you were holding just the right toy. One you would not only play with, but one you would grow with and love for generations. Jughead and Beans is bringing that kind of joy back to the toy shopping experience. Each of their thoughtfully crafted toys is opened and played with by a child to check the fun factor. Each of their beautifully curated books is shared at bedtime, sometimes under covers with a flashlight, to test for imaginative power. And each of their deliciously concocted treats is tried by, oh, who am I kidding? Me, everyone. <laughs> to see how fast the smiles spread. At Jughead and Beans, you not only find a toy for a child, you find fun for everyone. Visit them today at jugheadandbeans.com and we hope soon to a town near you. Fun for kids at every age. Jughead and Beans. Toys, tales, and treats. And we're back with Act Two. Yay! Fun, interesting facts behind the film. What'd you find for us, Cal? Um, well, I don't know that I would use the word fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay. no, I think a lot of the the people who were in this movie did have a lot of fun, okay. though, um, because it felt like their story was being told. Someone was paying attention. Um, I'm sure it was very exciting for them to have a film crew uh-huh. um, come into their home you know, their neighborhoods, um, like we're important, we're big stuff now, you know, um, and it actually did some good after, afterward. These two directors went on to create a City of Men TV series afterward that was a lot more lighthearted, kind of took the more lighthearted parts of the film and created a TV series about it, ended up with 35 million viewers in Brazil, oh, wow. and it went on for four seasons, so huh. what was the show called City called? of Men. Oh. Yeah, so the show. Um, Many of the actors we mentioned were amateur actors. They were residents of, um, we'd call them slums. They're called favelas, Mm -hmm. like uh, Vidigal, which was one of the ones that it was actually filmed in, and Cidade de Deus, City of God. Um, Really because the directors wanted that authenticity, like we mentioned before, but also black Spanish men that were actors were kind of unavailable. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Um, So I don't know, like, the political... Thing, if it's a political thing or a societal thing about that, but they wanted that mixture of skin tones. Uh-huh. And so they said, let's just go amateur and have auditions and with everybody. Um, and so Leandro Firmino, who again plays little Z, little Z, <laughs> little yeah. Zay, actually, because yeah. it's, um, Oh, it's the, it's the end form. It would be Joseph. Right. Jose. Right. Jose. Jose is what it's shortened as. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, actually also from city of God, um, in reality, he did not have any acting ambitions. Mm-hmm. He went with a friend. So his <laughs> wow. friend wouldn't be by himself and, um, just kind of was keeping him company. Hadn't even meant to audition. It was one of those things where, you know, he got talked into it and was given like one of the two lead roles. Wow. Um, so really kind of changed, flipped things for him a little bit. After the filming, the crew couldn't just let them go back to the way mm. that they were living before, right? So they help set up what they called help groups for those that were involved in the making of the film to build them a more promising future. Um, just to kind of help give them just that leg up to say, hey, if you choose to do so, here's a here's some help for you to get out of the, okay. the slums, the favelas, and do something else. 
the, the main thing that I found about this film was that the actors having not very much training. Um, now there was a group of kids, a large group of kids that were taken for a few weeks or so. Um, and were given acting, not necessarily acting lessons, but were taught, they would set up these scenes with them, kind of improv scenes okay. that would be mock-up scenes of, hey, when there's a holdup, what's something that you would do? Okay, oh, well, right. let's try it like this. Or let's say, and so they set up different scenarios in these situations that these kids would naturally already know about because they live it um, and just kind of play them through it for a long time so that they would get used to doing that and taking direction rather than like, hey, let's put you through a bunch of acting lessons and then rehearse, sure, right? Which right. would be like boring and grueling and all of that. But a lot of, because of that, there was a lot of improving, improvisation mm. in the movie. Couple of scenes that were improved. The prayer scene before they went into battle and they yeah. all started praying was not scripted. Um, one of the okay. younger boys who had been in a gang came and asked, um, Morales, wait, aren't we going to pray together before? this and you you know uh, like what? like gangs like gangs, <laughs> like gangs normally do. do and that was the case they did like wow. this is a really big deal we're this is a big confrontation we're about to go into we need to pray so he said sure <laughs> so he let them say their prayer that they usually pray wow. so there was a lot there were some of those things you know that would happen that's like he's that's your life so you tell me you know what it is that that you guys do um and so there was a lot of just kind of that knowledge going back and forth between the two of them when knockout ned um you know his character is a pacifist he's a bus driver when we meet him and then he's at this big party scene and he actually ends up an unfortunate situation that thrusts him into the middle of this um gang life and he actually becomes one of lil zay's enemies his main enemy by the mid to end of the movie right and he, he was saying, let's not, we're not going to kill anybody. I'm going to help you. He was a good shot. He was good aim because mm-hmm. he was part of the military mm-hmm. before. And he didn't want to kill anybody. Right. Let's just rob. We need better guns for, but no innocent people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he does end up shooting somebody in a bank, I think it was, or in a jewelry store or something. I can't remember, or postal. He had a uniform He on shoots him, somebody in a bank. Which then ends up meaning a lot by the end of the movie. So by that time, we were expecting him to be just as murderous as Mm -hmm. Lil Zay. The two parties meet up in a street soon after that, and he kills one of Lil Zay's men Mm -hmm. that had been terrorizing the the community. And there's this shot of him standing over the body, and he's doing the sign of the cross. Mm. And these women come out into the street and start congratulating him that, you know, it is a good thing that you have killed him. It is a good thing. The very first woman that speaks to him is the real knockout Ned's mother. Oh, wow. Wow. Which knowing how knockout Ned ends up dying at the end of the film, that's kind of an interesting thing that she was still a part of that community. And one of the people that's in the film, Mm. um, the, the guy who plays this character called carrot, who is a Brazilian, but he's a redhead. (laughs) He's kind of paler. Um, than most there. Um, Matthias, I can, I'm going to really try to say the last name, Nostagele. He was an unknown actor at the time that Morales picked him. Um, but while he was working on the script, um, Matthias was in another movie that did really well called A Dog's Will. And he became really well known huh. in that movie. So much so that Mateus was like so bummed out. He didn't want any, he didn't want any famous faces, you know, in his film. Yeah. But, and he really wanted this guy to play Carrot and he wanted to play Carrot. So he promised Morellis that I'm going to disappear into the role so well that it will not be a distraction. I promise you. So in order to do so, he actually moved to City of God for three months. Oh. To learn it and to know and to prepare for his role. So I was like, that's dedicated because yeah. they didn't even film in City of God. Right, they filmed right. in, they quote couldn't. unquote, safer neighborhoods because yeah. they really couldn't go into City of God mm. and be safe. They were not that safe where they were, but they were safer <laughs> than there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just was that important to them to tell the story. There's a final scene where these boys 
um, what were they called? The Runts. The Runts. Mm-hmm. They, there was actually a real group of kids that made a whole list of hits that they were going to make. And so he said, well, let's make our last scene, this group of runts m- making that list. Mm-hmm. So they're walking down the street, you know, the last scene where the little kid loses his <laughs> slipper right, right. or his sandal that actually happened. Like oh, he actually wasn't, was, he purpose. was supposed to run <laughs> up to the group and he just, he really did. He like lost his sandal. His flip flop fell off. Giant was his name. He's mm-hmm. tiny, right? And he's like, oh. And I just thought it was, like, the cutest thing at the end. But at the same time, you're like, these kids are, like, making a list of people they're going to murder. Yeah. And here's this little boy who loses his shoe. Like, oh. And they all turn around and be like, oh, come on, giant. Come on. Like, they're going to go play baseball or something, right. right? So Morellis keeps it in. I'm so glad that he did because yeah. it just that juxtaposition of innocence with what's actually happening. Uh, I think that's a lot about what you see. A lot of you see that a lot in this film. That's one of the hardest things about this is. movie. Yeah. Is, is that these, these kids are so young. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that was life then. There wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of life expectancy. No, For that's a variety true. of reasons. Yeah. Well, and the hardest scene for me, one of the hardest scenes for me was when the, the two little runts get uh-huh. caught by the older guys, gang members, and they make, steak steak and fries uh-huh. who's another younger kid choose one of them to kill yeah. I mean, that's a really hard scene um but the th- fact about it is that um the littlest boy who ends up getting shot in the foot uh, and they he worked with an acting coach because he'd never acted before right and he worked with him and he was like and she i think it was a, a woman she asked she was what is your something you're afraid of like and he, he said a toothache he okay. hates having toothaches it's like okay well think about the pain of a toothache and put that in your foot and imagine mm. the toothache is in your toe and he did that well that worked really well <laughs> what worked also is that he was scared to death of leonardo formino he did not like that man oh really he scared him well he's a scary man he's scary well he scared him when he was in costume and he was all worked up and everything it like scared him the guy so that played, the guy that played uh, Lil Zay, Lil Zay, yeah who was there in the scene confronting yeah, him yeah so he scared him. He's like, I don't like this guy, <laughs> which is fine. Everybody, sure. most of the people liked him, but this kid is like maybe five years old, yeah. right? And so he's working on two things in my toe, scary guy. And it was like harrowing. It was a horrible scene. It's a gut wrench. And I scene. wanted to just reach out and rescue that little boy and yeah. like, I'm yeah. going to take you home with me. Yeah. Um, but I will say 2009, um, City of God was one of two slums after the movie that police moved into to improve. They put units in, drug units in, to uh. the cities. Like, they actually moved there. Not just, like, because before this, you see, like, oh, they're driving in and kind of breaking things up. But right. they're also doing deals, right? Yeah. This was residential, right? So these police officers move into the communities. They set up units there. They try to drive out the drug traffickers. Because of that happening, in the city of God, murder rates fell from 36 out of 100,000 in 2008 to 5 in 100,000 in 2012. Okay. Wow. So it seemed to be something that was improving. Now, there's a documentary called City of God 10 Years Later that I would like to watch to see. Yeah, I think it it would be important. Yeah. Because that's one of my questions about what my thoughts are on this film, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to here in just a minute. So some of the filming techniques were really interesting. In one point, Alexandra Rodriguez, who plays Rocket, he's the one that wants to be the photographer, he's... Actually, he's taking pictures of the last battle between the two in the gang war. There's a point of view shot of the runts, spoiler, killing Lil Zay, that he actually gets to shoot that. They give him the camera and teach him how to use the camera. So the point of view between the, um, there's like a cement lattice Mm -hmm. kind of wall thing where he's watching this happen. And it makes you think he's looking through the lens of his his photography camera. But they are actually allowing Alexander Rodriguez to film that. So that whole portion is not... It's not a film crew. It's not a film crew. It's it's the actor. It's the actor doing it. So I think that's why it feels so real. Like, this is so real. And then the parts where we see him, that's separate, of course. And they splice that in there together. 
Um, Rodriguez and Firmino, again, playing Rocket and Lil Zay, they were offered for a chance for an upfront payment uh-huh. of what was close to about 3000 US dollars for the movie. Okay. Okay. That's not, that's not a lot at all. No. Right. Or to recoup a percentage of what box right. office earnings were. They chose the upfront payment. So that was a mistake. If they had, well, that just tells you how much they, how much that was to them. Yeah. Right. Like for us, you just said, oh, that's not a lot of money. You wouldn't, you would never choose that, right? Like if right. you were to do a movie and you were like, okay, we are going to give you $3,000 or a percentage of, of how the movie's going to go. I guess if you really had no idea how the movie was going to go, which makes sense. This is, you know, this is a new director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So if they would have taken just 1% of the box office earnings, both men would have made, been paid 25 times more than their, what they earned up front. I kind of wish, like, I mean, they didn't have, like, acting unions or anybody sure. like, present them and be like, so let's do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of was like, oh, mm. that's so bad. It's kind of like buying right? GameStop. Yeah. Sorry. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, my last thing is that the director was quoted as saying, and I don't know the source, but I did read that in multiple places that he was quoted as saying that if he knew the dangers of filming this movie in a Rio favela, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have done it. Makes sense. But it yeah. was kind of one of those things like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. <laughs> so, right. But I'm so glad that he did make it because it, it revealed something. Because Rio de Janeiro is a top hot space for travel for tourism i mean if you're gonna go to brazil where are you gonna go you're gonna go to rio Rio. right and this is not this part of rio it makes you not want to go right it also makes me feel like oh let me look at my own community let me kind of see like people come to louisville that's where we live by the way if you didn't know (laughs) you know people come to louisville and they like oh we're gonna go to derby stuff and festivals and all the Nice touristy places. Right. But there's parts of our city and our town that are so damaged and hurting. Yes. And poor. There's so much homelessness in Louisville. And I, for me, I feel like this movie reminded me again, like, don't close your eyes to this and open up, you know, possibilities of being able to change somebody's life. I mean, the people mm. at the newspaper place that they changed Rocket's life. They helped him. They recognized his talent and they helped him to get established, but yet just the power of crime and drugs and gang life, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So anyway, those were kind of the facts around making this movie. Um, I'm sure there were others, but I feel like there wasn't a much time for play. They were telling a story that needed to be told and... Um, you know, the kids, I did, I did think of one thing that was kind of mm, sweet. Maybe the kids were like, are we, so are we at the end going to be the ones at the end? The ones that played the runs? Right, so right. Like, really? We're going to be the last ones on there? We're going to be like, like, we, like we took over? And Morales is like, yeah, cool. Can we write a sequel? <laughs> like they, they were inspired to like keep telling their story. Well, that's something. <laughs> you guys realize you're the bad guys. But are they? I mean, I guess that's some of it. I don't know. They were wild. They're just trying to survive. They're wild. At one point in time, they make Lil Zay look good because he's telling them, stop right. robbing people in my slum. You're causing problems. Stop doing that. But- Which brings up some of the conflicts of the movie that yeah. we will discuss here in Act, Act Three. Three. Act Three of our show, our review and our candy score. Now, our candy score is rated um, with five different candies, starting off with our lowest score, which is the Milk Dud, then moving up to the Lemon Head, middle of the road is our Good and Plenty, and then Bunch of Crunch, and finally, the the best of the best, we give a Hot Tamale. We have had some discussions here, and maybe this is a good time to, to mention, uh, or to ask the question. Okay, how do we come up with these ratings? <laughs> I was just going to ask yeah. you that question, actually. I was in the yeah. forming the word. Are they completely subjective? Just like, yeah. how do you feel today about this movie? <laughs> well, there's some. Maybe there's it, some of that. That's Probably. a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but there is some, I, I would say, science behind our thoughts. And this is, <laughs> has brought a little bit of a discussion into what do you expect out of a movie when you go see mm-hmm. a movie? Or maybe more generally, 
Why do you like movies or why do you watch movies? What makes you choose that movie? You're going to spend some money on it. You're going to spend some time. What is the criteria? And then when you're done, what makes you leave uh, feeling the way that you feel that then would make you tell other people about it? Right. Or not. So let me ask you, Kelly, why do you like a movie? Or what when you leave a movie, what makes Mm -hmm. you say that was that was an excellent movie? Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like it has to have some kind of artistic thought to it. I like a movie, and what I mean by that is I like a movie where I can tell everyone's working together to create a story. If mm-hmm. I have forgotten that I'm watching a movie, like if while I'm watching the movie, I forget that it's a movie. Okay. You're right? Yeah. It's kind of like when I read a book and I forget that I'm reading a book and these characters don't actually not real. <laughs> they don't actually live. Yes, they are. <laughs> like when I closed the last Harry Potter book, I was so sad. Mm-hmm. Right? I think most of us were because we were like, these are my friends. Right. Yes. <laughs> and they don't actually exist. Yes. Right. Um, you know, you think, well, what are they doing now? And you want to learn more about them. Right. And so that's one thing that I feel the, the acting, of course, if it's mm-hmm. bad acting, I don't even care about the rest. Sure. I'm not going to watch it anymore or feel like it's anything worth watching. Yeah, so I I think that's that's it. It's got to be a good story. So right. it has to have. I don't care if it has like loopholes. I don't care if it has like little gaps and things. I can kind of forgive that sure. if it if the other parts are strong enough for me. No, that's good. I've thought a lot about this, uh, and because I get criticized, you get criticized. I get, I get criticized <laughs> for saying that a movie was or was not fun. <laughs> as if that's my ultimate deciding factor. I think it's just the word that you use. Probably fun is the word I, I use to encompass probably 15 things. And, mm-hmm. and it's a lazy word, so I should, okay. I should get better at it. Uh, an interesting article from Music Magpie blog called Five Reasons Watching Movies is Actually Good for You. Has some interesting thoughts. We'll see if we can link this in our show notes here. Uh, their first mention in here is that laughter is the best medicine, and so is crying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, mm-hmm. movies that we that we love, movies that are good, you know, create emotion in us, uh, and, and and these emotions can actually alter. You know, your, the, the chemical, uh, you know, compound in your brain. They can make you feel better uh, in, in both laughing. Uh, you know, can, can relieve stress and tension and so can crying. Yeah. And so I think we, we, a lot of times we watch movies because they, you know, they, they help us get to some emotions that maybe we've buried, you know, deep down and, and they, they bring them out in, in safe ways. Because, you know, sometimes we'll, we're, we'll put on a comedy. Maybe it's not a great movie, uh, but if it makes you laugh or even, you know, like a, like a stand up comic. And I just, I just want to laugh for 30 minutes. And I, you know, I don't necessarily want to, want to think or, or, you know, or anything else. I just, I just, I want something to make me chuckle. And we do this with sad movies too. It's just, you know, I feel like I need to cry. Something else they mentioned there is that movies inspire you to be a better person. And I think that's true. I think that most movies follow a, a kind of the same format uh, of the kind of the hero's journey where we, we meet somebody, then they have a problem. Uh, they can't overcome that problem by themselves. So they have mm-hmm. to, they, they find guides or, or friends that help them overcome that, that problem or that person or that obstacle. Uh, there's conflict along the way. And then at the end, uh, they, they have overcome it and they've become better people. And so we see ourselves in those stories and we're like, you know what? I can do that too. I can overcome my obstacles, uh, and, and become a better person or become the hero that, you know, good movies do that. Um, they also mentioned that movies can make you smarter, obviously, uh, you know, IQ and, and EQ. Uh, if you're, if you're watching, a documentary about something that you didn't know anything about. Okay, I have more you know, more information about this. Well, I didn't know City of God was even a place. I didn't either. Rio, right? I didn't, or outside of Rio, I had no idea. I mean, I've watched the cartoon Rio. <laughs> yeah, and I've watched. <laughs> um, take you to the, Rio. It, they go there in Twilight, and it's so romantic. Oh yeah, and you know, just they join one of those street parties, and now I'm like. Dude, keep going because there's a lot of like violence just a few blocks away from where you are right now. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. But yet these people, this is their life, this is their culture, and we shouldn't hide from that. You know. Yes, and that that type of emotional intelligence, yeah. as it as it shows us uh, a variety of people living in different cultures and experiencing different things, and and it makes us you know empathize or, or sympathize with them. Yeah, sympathize. I don't know that I could ever empathize with these people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. their experiences, but it does make you 
wonder, you know, when, and every time we saw a little kid and again, like that, when we're talking about the scenes in the movie, I have some favorite scenes, but some of the hardest scenes were the ones where the little boys were being made to do things or were choosing to do things. And I just couldn't believe the violent nature, even in the beginning with, um, with Lil Zed as little dice Uh when he murders and it's, he murders and he laughs. And I'm like, I cannot understand bloodlust in such a young person. And, you know, we have children and we've worked with children our mm-hmm. almost our entire lives together. Just the purity that is stolen yep. from them because of the harshness of their life. And I think there's going to be some justification for that later. Um, I hope there is. Yeah. And, well, and those types of things you know, motivate, can motivate you to yeah. take some action. Social change. Absolutely. And, and yes. Even, even just for us ourselves, you know, being advocates for those who don't have a voice or don't have the strength to endure, we can. Yep. I love the quotation from Rod, uh, Roger Ebert, who pretty famous film critic. Uh, he says, movies are like a machine that generate empathy. It helps you understand a little bit more about different hopes, different aspirations, dreams, and fears. It makes you look step outside of yourself for yep. a little moment and look and see, and inside yourself. So I think that's both of that, that laughter and crying, what you were saying before, mm-hmm. inspiring you to be a better person. I think a good movie is going, or one that deserves a high rating is one that makes you look inside yourself mm-hmm. and look outside of yourself. And it doesn't always have to be like a big lesson. Right. It makes you feel something human. And I think escapism, you know, mm-hmm. it can can be a part of that. And I think sometimes Absolutely. we just we watch a movie to 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 forget about whatever's going on in our current life mm-hmm. for two hours. To entertain us in yep. that way. And I just I just want to jump into to somebody else's story uh, and see how they handle it. And I think that can be different for different people. Mm-hmm. We were just discussing this with some friends the other day, and how um, people are going to enjoy find that enjoyment or find that release in different genres of film because of whatever, however they are experiencing their life. So they may, you know, go into a, um, maybe a Disney cartoon, right. Uh-huh. And be able to, sorry, a Disney animated film <laughs> and, be, and be able to um, escape, you know, in the fantasy of, you know, a frog turning a princess turning into a frog instead of, you know, and the different things. And then someone may be able to watch a movie like this city of God and be able to say, wow, there, while it isn't fun, right. It's definitely something that makes us feel human, a human response to someone and ourselves. I wouldn't categorize city of God as escapism because this is not not a place I would would like to just write at all. Yeah. uh, And, and be part of though, of course, yeah, you do, you do, you ask yourself, okay, if I'm in this position, what would yeah. I do? Yeah. You know, of of these two characters, yeah. you know, would I would I become the photographer mm. that, you know, tries to avoid the life of crime and choose a different path? Or, mm. you know, would I choose the life of crime? Neither of those are an easy choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, there really wasn't much in between right, here. In right. This. And the last point that they, they bring out here uh, is that movies can be comforting like hanging out with an old friend which is why we rewatch movies mm-hmm. we come back to you know the same movies over and over again because they're predictable and we're like oh yeah i know this story i know how this is going to go and we just we we want to to be part of that again mm-hmm. so putting all those thoughts together i would summarize then the best movies so we're we're reviewing here the 100 movies on the bucket list and so some some movie company or some company <laughs> came up with what are the best movies of all of all the movies um, that people should watch. Well, really, like, yeah, this, because it's a bucket list, that idea is uh, connotates before you die, before you die, you, you should, should see, these, see movies. these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would argue that the, the best movies should do some of all of these things. Right. They should generate an emotional response from you. They should inspire you. They should educate you. They should offer some form of escapism and make you want to return to them. So that is my definition of a hot tamale movie. Mm. That was a bit of a long-winded. <laughs> that was very well thought out and, and investigated. <laughs> so when it comes to City of God, as I filter it through, you know, kind of kind of these lens, it definitely educates you. There were a few moments in there that made you laugh. 
Oh, there uh, were. I had. I. I really love the opening scene with the chicken. Yes. Because it. Well, <laughs> at first, it's the very opening scene, and then we return to it later. Uh-huh. It catches us uh-huh. up uh-huh. to that moment, right? And there's maybe like twelve minutes left to the movie or so at that point. But there's this opening scene where there's these people cooking chicken, and there's this chicken alive watching the other chickens get slaughtered right, right. and <laughs> chopped up. And, and he looks so worried. And he looks so worried, but most chickens' faces look worried. That's like, true. he just is like, his neck goes up, and he's like, what? Yeah. And then he starts moving his foot around and getting out. He gets out of his tether, and he runs down the street to escape. And you're like, go, chicken, go! It's going to be your turn. But then it's like, that's humorous, but it's the opening scene. Right. It's like, oh, Okay. Yeah. We're going to be in for this. And then the second time you see it happening, you're like, hmm, not so concerned about the chicken. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You have learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> as and to what got to that point. Th- there's other humorous stuff. Like, there's some heartwarming friend mm-hmm. things. Um, Benny's a really great character. Yes. We get to like him, even though, you know, he's done his own share of killing, but he steps in a lot, kind of calms little Zay down. Um, his goodbye party, even mm-hmm. though it ends up so tragic. There's some humorous stuff where he tells Lil Zay he needs a girlfriend. So Lil Zay's trying, but that's just not his beef, you know, right. but he fails. And it just, and it shows like just the quick turn in someone who's rejected. Yeah. But there's some humorous stuff in there and everyone's having fun and dancing. And, you know, it's, it's kind of sweet until it turns really horrible. Yeah. And but it, and it makes you cry. It pulls, it, it, pulls, it pulls both of, yeah, kind of both the extremes of, oh. of your emotions in there. Um, I didn't look away at all. Not one any bit. Of it, and I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I thought I would be having, when I, when we watched the preview and I was investigating the movie a little bit before watching it, to sort of prepare myself, I thought I'm not going to want to watch some of this. And it was true. I didn't want to see, yes. but otherwise, like it kept my attention the entire way. I wanted to know about the characters. Does it inspire you? Did it inspire you to to be a better person? I think it inspired me to be more observant of the needs mm-hmm. of people around me. Like when I see somebody, we have a lot of um, street beggars here in mm-hmm. the city. It's just like they're not they're not bad people, and I knew that before. But it's like, okay, do they have kids? Yeah. And what is the life that their children are seeing? And um, you know, I have a couple of. Uh, a good friend and a couple of acquaintances that um, are involved in inner city work and school work and things like that. And I can't just close my eyes yeah. to that. Like, no, that's good. If there's an opportunity that comes around. We don't know who, who we're affecting in what way. Yeah. So. Well, that that's a good response to it. I, I would say if, if anywhere I thought the, the film may have struggled and it, it was here is that after it was over, my initial thoughts were, well, wow, that's one place I'd never want to go ever. <laughs> well, yeah. And if, you know, if, if that's kind of the lasting impact of it and some criticism of the film has been that it was uh exploit exploitative and that you know tourism for that area went up after the film was released because people wanted to come and see how bad it is oh my gosh i thought it would have plummeted right i never would have thought that i'd be like whoop staying away from there it it became like one of the 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 top places to visit in rio was was just to go and see this terrible terrible place so i i Mm. I, I don't know on that one well but also i think you're ignoring rocket to because of the violence and Mm -hmm. the intensity of the violence with that in the last few moments he was so brave and he had not been very brave like through the whole thing he'd been kind of evasive getting the things he needed but when he took that camera and followed yeah the police with Lil Zay and took took those pictures and, and he even said, this one, <laughs> this photograph <laughs> will make me famous. This photograph will get me killed. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But he still did it. Like, he still went and documented yes. these things happening. Yes. Uh, because he understood the power of the weapon in his hand. Right, of the camera. For journalism yeah, and what he had. I would have yeah. liked to have seen more of that, I think, throughout the film. But it was following a novel. and It was. I, I thought there was going to be more of that. Sure. You really kind of thought Seems. you were going to see much more of a, you know, one guy has a gun, one guy has a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't get a lot of the camera except just at pivotal moments mm-hmm. in the film. I do think at the end when he chose to publish the the picture – yeah, of little Zay, uh, that that was a survival choice, maybe mm-hmm. a cowardish choice. Um, he chose the the option that 
wasn't going to get him killed and was going to get him the internship. Yeah. Instead of the, I'm going to expose, expose the, police the police and cause a big ruckus and probably get me killed. Yeah. I don't but know how. as the internship, you know, and he gets himself out of the slum. Yeah. What's that going to do for his future? Yeah. It gives him the opportunity and, and mm-hmm. opens opens doors there. But it's, the slum uh, stays the same. Right. Too. Right. On that. All in all, then, as we get yeah. our, candy, our candy score rating here. So my rating is um, Bunch of Crunch. Okay. But I never want to see it again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to say Good and Plenty mm-hmm. uh, for, for the same. Powerful film. Important film. Don't care to see it again. I do want to see kind of the follow-up to 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, to see what, if anything, has changed uh, in, in these slums. I waffled between Good and Plenty mm-hmm. and Bunch I of Crunch. I did, too. And I went to Bunch of Crunch because it... Uh, because I watched the whole thing and I was enamored the entire time in spite of the violence, the the ruthlessness yeah. of it, the heartlessness of the killing. There was a lot of heart in the people. Yes. You know, in I mean, to say that there's a lot of heart in these murderers. <laughs> yeah. But there is. They're people. And, and I think that's there. Yeah. I feel like that's so there. And the art, like I said, like I saw the artistic value of it and that my response while watching it surprised me. Uh-huh. Um, so that's why I would do that. But <laughs> I would sooner eat a box of Bunch of Crunch <laughs> by myself than I would watch City of God again. But I don't want that deter- to deter people from watching it. Right. Yeah. Just don't do it when there's kids around. For sure. <laughs> and if you're already kind of triggered by violence and those yep. kinds of things, like it, it's pretty bad. Like it, it's pretty gruesome. But I feel like it's still so full of humanity. That's our that's our review. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. And our next so, film is yeah. going to be up, up, yeah, Disney Pixar, <laughs> up. Uh, a little bit, little bit lighter. <laughs> but we have a surprise. Um, we're going to have some guests with us next time. Expert mm-hmm. up Expert reviewers. Expert up reviewers that are going to join us. So stay tuned and we'll see you then. Don't forget the popcorn. Bye.